0: This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Welcome everybody. It's really good to be with you here this morning, and especially Good Friday morning. Uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. So let's bow our heads in prayer. Uh, dear Father, as we come this morning, we truly want to pray that you help us uh, to focus On what today really means That we are to come together today To remember the death of Jesus on the cross We pray that you may help us to put aside all distractions All worries, all anxieties and fears Especially in the uncertain and fluid situation that we find ourselves in And we pray that we may focus on the eternal uh, On the things that are permanent And the things which will matter uh, for existence in eternity and we pray for all these things and in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, today I'm going to uh, obviously talk a bit about uh, our situation in, in the coronavirus. But at the same time, let's focus on what's really important, which is the cross of Jesus Christ. Now as we normally do, as we're, now that we're in the Zoom platform, with sorts of interactivity happening. So the first question I want to ask you as we come to today's uh, service and sermon is, how serious do you think? Uh, the coronavirus situation is. So you just have a quick vote, okay? Okay, so let's have a look at the results. Okay, so as you can see, many people uh, see coronavirus as a very, very serious situation, whether it affects your neighbor, whether it affects your friends, whether it affects yourselves, we all find it to be very serious. Now what is it about the coronavirus that is so serious? So I'm gonna ask you another set of questions, and is it because of this economic and financial problem that it causes, that we feel that the coronavirus is very serious? Or is it because it's a social problem? Or perhaps you see it as a health problem. So again, uh, just put a moment, take a moment, click on your laptop or your handphone and say, why do you feel that the coronavirus is so serious? Because obviously we all saw, everybody saw that it was a very serious situation. So why do you feel that it's so serious? Okay. Let me share with you the results now. The results basically show that most of us, or almost the vast majority of us, worry about the coronavirus because, first and foremost, it is a health problem. And for many of us, we see that health is more important than money. Right? Health is more important than our social interactions. And I think that's really fair. Because when it comes to the very heart of things, we see that life and death is the most important issue that faces us today. And if you think about the coronavirus, if you are below the age of 50, uh, if you get the coronavirus, your chance of going to hospital is, I read, around uh, 7%. If you're in your 50s, uh, if you catch the coronavirus, the chance of you going to hospital is about 10%. But if you're in your 60s, the chance of going to hospital if you catch the coronavirus is around 17%. But if you're over 70 years old, then if you catch the coronavirus, the chance of you going to hospital is above 20 to 25%. And if you end up in the hospital, the statistics show that the chance of you having to be intubed and go on the ventilator and go to ICU is one out of three. So that's pretty scary, right? You end up in a hospital. And your chance of getting to the ICU and being intubed and having a ventilator is one out of three. And overall, the population, if you do catch the coronavirus, your chance of dying can be anywhere from 1% to 3.4%. Now, when we hear those numbers, when we hear those statistics, it's frankly very scary in terms of its suffering potential, in terms of its mortality potential. And what the coronavirus has done is, Rather than keep death hidden away in the crematorium or the hospitals, we read about it every day, we hear about it every day, we watch it on our televisions, we may know people who have got sick, we may know people who have even died. And when we hear these things, it fills us with fear because we frankly hate death. We despise death. We abhor and scorn death. So I was reading an article one day which said that actually when, as a young person, uh, for little kids and for teenagers and maybe in your twenties, you feel that life is like freehold property, right? You know, it's like, you know, freehold property, you feel that you're going to live forever, right? Freehold property goes into existence forever. But as you get older, you realize that life is not like freehold property. It's more like leasehold property that it doesn't last forever. But actually what the coronavirus has actually brought into our thinking is, actually life is not like freehold property, neither is it like leasehold property, but it's more like a Airbnb. It's like there's a beginning and there's an end, and it's actually very, very short. So someone has actually said, what makes us scared? What makes us anxious? What makes us fear? It is a realization that life is finite that life is limited, that there is a beginning, and that there is an end of life. And in our life, what we try to do is we keep pushing the end further and further away. But what the coronavirus has done is it's pushed back our realization of how limited and how finite our life is. We've been trying to push the end of life further and further away, but the coronavirus makes us realize that we can't push it back further and further away. It's actually pushing back against us. And so the food we eat doesn't taste as good as it did the other day. Uh, the movies we watch on Netflix are not as exciting anymore. Uh, even the walk in the park uh, is filled with anxiety as we try to keep our safe social distancing with other people. So if that's you, and I'm sure that's you because you've uh, voted in your uh, in your poll that that was the reality in your life, then I'd like us today to look at this passage that is so important for us, which celebrates and really helps us to remember what Good Friday is all about. And that's the passage which I think was really helpfully presented to us by Carlson and Genesis family, which is Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Okay, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. So today we're going to spend most of the time looking at this passage Mark, chapter 10, verse 45. And I'll just read it for you so that we can focus on it. And it says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Okay? So this verse is all this sermon is going to be like, and you think, wow, that's fantastic, right? Uh, but this sermon is actually packed full of detail it's, it's, a, it's a really deep and profound passage if you understand this passage really you understand the heart of Mark you understand the heart of Jesus' message you understand the heart of Jesus himself so not too long ago uh, actually it is quite a long time ago now uh, I bought these commentary or these uh, sermon commentaries on the book of Mark okay, so volume 1 and volume 2 so you know you can see it's pretty uh, hefty but if you'll notice uh, there's this really, really nice artwork at the front of the cover, and this cover is really quite fascinating because of the book. You see that? There's this beautiful uh, diagram which is actually put at the front of the book, and what is that diagram? Well, that diagram is this. You see, I think it's quite clear now, right? It's actually a, a banner uh, which was actually handcrafted by this person. I, I looked it up, this person and actually since passed away. We're going to look at this banner again. But you can see that the heart of the cover is Mark 10, 45, which says here in the passage, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So today we're just going to focus primarily on Mark chapter 10, verse 45. And the first thing I want to look at as we look at this passage is uh, the very first phrase that is noted here. The phrase which says, right at the beginning, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Now, what does that mean? Why this word even? You know, we read this verse, we probably don't even notice notice the word even, but why even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve? Well, I remember my uncle, uh, who is a partner in a law firm. So, you know, a partner in a law firm, He's a very powerful person. I mean, not everybody becomes a partner in a law firm. And this law firm is one of the biggest law firms in Singapore. So he was about to retire recently, and he was remarking to me how he felt really strange going to work. And the reason was because he said, you know, now that everybody knows I'm retiring, even the secretaries don't bring me my coffee in the morning. Now, That's quite interesting, right? Because when you think about it, uh, as the partner in a law firm, the expectation was for like decades, every morning, the secretaries would bring him coffee in the morning. And that's because he's the partner and they are the secretaries. And if you think about it for my uncle, he's never served himself coffee in the morning because other people serve him coffee in the morning. And on top of that, I don't presume that my uncle, who's the partner in the law firm, would be serving coffee to the secretaries. Because the way the world works is if you are the partner in the law firm and you're the powerful person, then other people serve you. You don't serve other people. And that's exactly why we have this word, even. Because if you come back again to the passage, it says... For even the Son of Man did not come to be served. And the point that it's trying to make here is that Jesus is different from the world, different from my uncle, because he is God, right? He is God and Christ, but even though he's God and Christ, he doesn't come to be served, but to serve. So we've seen Uh, Jesus as God. He walks on water. He calms a storm with his voice. He feeds multitudes of thousands of people with five loaves and two fish. He can raise the paralyzed man. He can cast out demons. He is by very nature God. Now, I am by very nature human. The last time I checked, I'm human. But when we look at Jesus, he is by very nature God. But not only is he God by nature, his position, his status, his office is that of Christ. So he is God and he is Christ. The Christ means he is the everlasting King, the eternal ruler. He is the universal Lord. So I want to ask you another polling question. If Jesus is by nature God and his office and status is Christ and we like me and you are only humans then what is the comparable distance between Jesus and ourselves okay so I'm going to give you a poll now okay so what's the distance between Jesus who's God and Christ and us human beings right can you compare it to a powerful rich man and a poor and not so powerful man a human and an ant A human and a germ or none of the above. Okay, so need you to get some of that grey matter going this morning. Think about it. Uh, answer the poll. So is it human and ant, rich man, poor man, human and a germ or none of the above? Okay, let me show you the results. So, uh, you guys are quite clever. I must commend you. uh. So really, you can't really compare Jesus as comparable to a human and an ant or even a human and a germ. Because Jesus is on another plane of existence, right? He is on another strata of existence. He's on another level of existence. He is God and creator, and we are the creatures. So even if you have a human and an ant, a human and a germ, we are all the created world. But Jesus stands outside of this world. He is God who comes from heaven. And we are the creatures. We, he is the creator God. We are the creatures he is in heaven we are in this earth so as we look at this passage now uh, what is really showing is jesus who is god creator christ even though he is god creator and christ doesn't come to earth in order to be by us but to serve us and that's what's really amazing right it's really amazing. Now, we often use the word amazing in many different ways. But really, I think the word amazing is very abused. Right? We use the word amazing in many different ways. But, amazing race, amazing Asia, amazing sale. But what's really amazing is Jesus, who is God, Christ, as well as creator, who comes from heaven to earth to serve us. So, I want to ask you this uh, this question: Do you recognize uh, this lady? Okay, who is this lady? Okay, she's the Queen of England. Okay, she's the Queen of England. Now, where does the Queen of England live? She lives in Buckingham Palace in London. Now, is it conceivable that the Queen of England could come to your flat in Singapore in order to serve you tea? No, right? That wouldn't be possible. I mean, like, who who would imagine that to be true? Because it is more like we go to London to visit Buckingham Palace to to see her at a distance. Or maybe if we get lucky, we can serve her. We don't expect the Queen of England to come to Singapore to our HDB flat to serve us. But that's exact, in a way that's what the Bible is saying. Right? The Bible is saying that Jesus, who is God and Christ, Creator, comes down from heaven to earth in order to serve us now how does jesus serve us well that's the topic of good friday now we often think of good friday in terms of visually what we can see okay so when we think of good friday we think of the cross in terms of the visual so we think of uh, we think in terms of his suffering we think in terms of Jesus dying on the cross. But this is the visual of what we actually see in terms of the visual. We see Jesus being whipped, we see the crown of thorns on his head. But but the but when you think about it, millions of people have been flogged by the Romans. Uh, I mean, thousands of people were hung on the cross during the time of the Roman Empire. That is not what makes Good Friday special. That is not what makes Good Friday amazing. It can't be that just Jesus suffered physically. He does much, much more than that. That's what makes Good Friday amazing. So, what exactly then is uh, the point of Good Friday? So, let's come back again to that passage. Okay. So, the passage goes on to say okay, that Jesus doesn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And I want to focus on this word ransom, okay, because it's a very, very important word to help us understand exactly what is happening. Now, when you think of the word ransom, what do you think about? So I'll, I'll show you some pictures now of what ransom is about. Okay, so what is ransom? Okay, so you look at some of these movie posters, help for ransom, they pay or they die. Another poster, taken for ransom. Okay. How far will they go to save her? My daughter's ransom, and this very old movie, ransom with Mel Gibson. Okay, so those are all these images of movies with the title ransom. So when you think of ransom, what do you think of? What images are there? And what ideas are there? So again, I'm going to give you another poll, okay? Uh, and I'm going to get you to do this poll now. So what ideas come to your head when you hear the word ransom? So really, when you think about it, ransom is the idea of being in prison. and You can't free yourself. And because you're in prison, you're enslaved, you can't free yourself, you're kind of like facing an uncertain future, right? Torture, suffering, death. And because you are in prison and facing this terrible future, you need someone to free you. And the ransom, as Carlson and Janice shared with us before, is where someone pays something valuable in exchange in order to free you in exchange. So they pay the ransom and they get you back as a result. Now, Jesus' death on the cross is a ransom. So when you think about it, we are actually enslaved, in a sense, to sin, to judgment, to loss, wrath and punishment. And we are... Oh, okay, I made this uh, this uh, children's church illustration. You see, I'm, we're like in, behind the bars of a prison, right? You know, like, can you see me? I'm like behind the bars of a prison now. And we are locked inside the bars of the prison. But the prison really is sin and judgment. But Jesus pays the ransom so that we can be set free... From this prison, we can be set free from our enslavement. But what is it uh, that Jesus actually does on Good Friday, which breaks our chains of our enslavement to sin and judgment and sets us free from the prison that we find ourselves in? Now, let's go back a little bit in the passage, because I think this is actually very important in the passage. So, if we look at this passage, uh, James and John, they actually come to Jesus and they ask Jesus to sit at his right hand, sit at his left hand in places of power. And I want you to notice what Jesus actually says in reply to them. So what does he say in reply to them? He says, you don't know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup or be baptized with the baptism I am to be baptized with? Now, what Jesus is really saying is, yes, James and John can physically suffer. They can physically be crucified. And actually, as we read church history, James actually did die a martyr's death. But they can't actually do what Jesus does. They can do the visual, which we said, you know, so we see people hanging on the cross, we see people being flogged, but they can't actually achieve what Jesus does the reality of what he does, which is, as we see in this passage, to drink the cup. Now, what does this mean, to drink the cup that Jesus drinks? So, actually, if you look at the, in the Old Testament, uh, the cup is often used as a picture of God's judgment. as a picture of God's punishment. So, the cup that Jesus actually drinks is like, you see my cup? You see what what does my cup say? Can you see what the cup says? It is the cup of wrath, right? And within the cup of wrath is judgment, is penalty, is punishment. So what Jesus does is he's actually saying that when he goes to the cross, he is actually drinking the cup of God's wrath. And he does it not because he needs to pay for his own sins, or to pay for his own wrongs. But rather, as we look at this passage, he is drinking the cup of God's wrath on the cross because he takes on himself all the sins of people, of the people all around in this time, and also the time today in Singapore. So that's why Good Friday is really so amazing. It is not just what we see on the outside, which is Jesus hanging on the cross, nails to the palm of his hands, being flogged, having the crown of thorns on his head. But what it achieves is much more important. Drinking the cup of God's wrath, taking judgment upon himself, setting us free from the enslavement and the prison of sin and judgment. Now, you know, the coronavirus, in a sense, has opened our eyes uh, to the destiny of every human being. Uh, you know, the body I have, the body you have, we clothe it, we feed it, we uh, give it lots of fluid, we stretch, we go to the gym, we work out, we eat well, some of us eat better than others, we make sure that we don't smoke, we get enough sleep. But whatever we do, uh, we realize as the coronavirus has entered into our thinking that we are actually dust. Bible tells us dust to dust. The reality is for anybody who's been to the crematorium, we all end up eventually being dust. What Jesus tells us on Good Friday is that there is a different existence. There is not the beginning and the end of the physical life. There is not the finite Reality of the physical body which turns to dust. But there is an eternal reality. There is eternal life, eternal existence. There is the eternal soul. We can only access this eternal existence, eternal soul, eternal life, if we have Jesus as our ransom, and if he drinks the cup of God's wrath for us. Because then when we die and we meet God, we meet God Not as a criminal meets a judge, but when we meet God, if Jesus has been our ransom, then we meet God as a son or a daughter coming back into a relationship with God in heaven. And so, when you die, what would you prefer? Would you prefer to meet God as a criminal meets a judge? Or would you prefer to meet God as a son or daughter comes back to God the Father? I know what I'll prefer. And so what Jesus says is, we need to understand fully what Good Friday means, and we need to put our faith in what Jesus has done for us that Good Friday, not just physically dying on the cross in the crucifixion, but taking on himself our sins, so that we may be pardoned of our sins. Our sins may be covered, may be forgiven our wrong doings, And so the last part of today's verse as we come back again to it, it says to give his life as a ransom for for many. It doesn't say for all. It doesn't say for everyone. It says for many. And that's what the invitation of Good Friday really is. You can be part of that many for whom Jesus has given his life as a ransom. By really understanding Mark Chen. 45, to understand that Jesus is God, Christ, creator, who's come down from heaven to die on the cross, to take on your sin, to drink the cup of punishment on your behalf so that you can meet God as a family member and live for eternity. Now, the last picture I want to show you today is, um, I want to come back. To this picture. Can you all see this picture on the screen? Pay attention to this picture. Okay. Now there are lots of different details about this picture. Okay. I'm going to give you a poll so you need to pay attention. Okay. This can be like competition. What are all the different words and pictures on the screen and and how do they relate to Mark 1045? Actually, because the person who, who drew this banner, uh, obviously put a lot of thought into like putting all the different pictures and the different words and the different uh, symbols. Okay, so pay attention. I'm going to give you like 10 seconds, 15 seconds. Look at the picture carefully. What are the different pictures? What do they mean? Grapes, thorns. what are the, all these strange letters on the left? What is that picture on the top? What are all these funny, funny Latin words? Okay. So what do all of those symbols mean? Let me show you the poll results. Great. Okay, so you can see that most of you got the crown of thorns. up. that was pretty obvious. Okay, the bloodshed, the cross. Okay, most of you couldn't see that. Behold the lamb. Okay, great, great. Okay, so let me show you the different things. I mean, so if you see here on the your your left of the screen, there's that these words called ictus. So actually, itus is um, the words which come from. Um, the fish symbol, you know, sometimes people have these, uh, fish symbols, right? So, the fish symbol actually comes from these, uh, th- these words called, uh, I-X-T-U-S, but actually it's written in Greek, right? So, Huios, which is Jesus, Christos, Christ, Dios, God, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, Jesus, which is, sorry, Jesus, Christos, uh, Christ, Dios, God, Huios, Son, and Soter, which is Savior. So you can sort of see it makes this symbol of a fish. right? And what it really means is Jesus Christ, the son of God, he is the savior. So as we've already read, Jesus, he's the Christ, son of God, savior. But yet, even he does not come to be served, but to, to serve. Okay, so how do we see that? We see that because, uh, as you see here on the top, there's a lamb. There's a picture of a lamb, right? And the lamb is a symbol of Jesus' ransom sacrifice. So it says there in Latin, uh, Behold the Lamb of God. So Jesus, who is Christ, God, Savior, He gives Himself as a ransom and sacrifice. And how does He do that? He does it because He gives His blood on the cross. And that's what the grapes represent. Because the grapes... Uh, represent, in a sense, His blood, right? His blood shed on the cross. And also through His suffering. And that's why we have the crown of thorns at the bottom. So, this, in a sense, the banner is trying to represent what Mark 10.45 is saying, that Jesus, who is Christ, God, gives His life as a ransom sacrifice, the Lamb of God, on the cross, by the shedding of His blood and through His suffering so that he would take on the sins of the world so that we can meet God when we die for eternity as children, as sons and daughters of God coming to him without fear of judgment. And that's what makes uh, Good Friday really so amazing. So I want to close uh, with this illustration. Many years ago, there was a very sincere non-Christian who met up with me for coffee. Uh, he, he was very nice and he asked me this really difficult question. He said, you know, there's this is a man I really, really respect. He's the leader of my, uh, my country. And, uh, he's a wonderful man. He's a righteous man. He's a good man, but he's not Christian. So will he go to heaven and be saved? Now that's a really difficult question when there's someone asking you face to face, right? But I said to him, I said, well, you know, the Bible tells us that we all are sinners and we need a ransom. We need someone to pay for our sins. We need someone to take on God's judgment on us, because if not, we have to take God's judgment on ourselves. And when we do that, we can't survive, we, 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 you know, we will go to hell. So I said, unless your this this man that you really respect has Jesus as a ransom, then who is going to pay for his sins? And this man kept very quiet. And I think that's what is the challenge before us today, isn't it? In a sense, the coronavirus has shown us that this world and the life that we live in, this physical life is finite. There's a beginning, there's an end to this physical life. After this, there is only dust. But there's a greater reality. There is the eternal soul, the eternal existence, the eternal life. And that can only be accessed when our sins are paid for. And that's what a wonderful thing that Jesus has done. For even the Son of Man, God and Christ, did not come to be served, but to serve us. And how did He serve us? Not a cup of tea, but He went to the cross to die a terrible death, to drink the cup of God's judgment and wrath on our behalf, so that we can have existence for eternity with God the Father as our Father truly, that we can be sons and daughters of God in heaven for eternity. So I hope that for each and every one of you, you will be one of the many who receive Jesus as his or her ransom. And all of us will no longer fear the death in this physical life, for we know we will live for eternity in our eternal soul, with our heavenly Father. So let's bow our heads as you go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you, we really want to thank you for Jesus. And we thank you for Good Friday, which is truly amazing. It is amazing because your Son, fully God, and Christ in His office, would choose to come down from heaven not for us to serve him, but to serve us. And how he served us, by going to the cross and by dying on the cross and by taking the cup of your wrath, which is actually meant for us. And because of your son's wonderful service, we, each of us here today, are able to receive Jesus as a ransom, to break free from our enslavement to sin and punishment, to be set free from the prison of penalty and judgment. And we really want to thank you for that. And we pray for all these things in Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at bcpc.sg.